powered by the Parade Deck Military Podcast Network, the Stars and Stripes Podcast brings you a weekly dispatch from the heart of the military community. Each week, we shine a spotlight on the courageous voices of top military podcasters, bringing you their untold stories, experiences, and insights. From the front lines to the home front, join us as we dive into the authentic narratives that embody the spirit and resilience of our armed forces. Stay with us for tales of valor, sacrifice, and the unbreakable bonds forged in service. This is where the military heartbeat meets the microphone. This week's playlist is brought to you by our premier sponsor, Navy Federal Credit Union, bringing financial security to our military community. Learn more on how you can enjoy member-exclusive perks. Now, on to our podcast. It's just the way it goes, but I'm excited to, we met last summer at the JWLS Joint Women Leadership Symposium, and it was just great to hear you talk and share a little bit of your story, so I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I mean, it was so exciting to hear from you as well, so I'm excited to just share our stories and have other people hear it too. Yeah. So let's start with why did you decide to join the military? So I did not come from a military family per se. So neither of my parents served. Uh, my grandparents served temporarily, both of my grandfathers, but never really spoke too much of it. So growing up, I didn't really have an idea or an aspiration really to join the military per se, but I definitely had a big desire to serve in some capacity and really was passionate with everything that happened throughout our history that I wanted to give back and do something. So when I got to college, I met a Marine recruiter within about three weeks of stepping onto campus in college. And he, of course, was a Marine. And I was extremely impressed with everything that he had to say. Obviously, recruiters are very good at their job for a reason. Um, and everything that he had said up into serving your country and traveling and meeting incredible people. And then the fact that the Marine Corps had so few women was something I was super inspired about and was like, this is where I need to go. So I decided to start the process, the long process of becoming an officer, which began with officer candidate school and then the basic school. And then I finally commissioned in May of 2019. So it was, I mean, it's a long process. I think depending on like, I mean, I think the shortest process is if you like go out of college and then go to OTS and, but even then it's still a long process just to get your application in and all the things. So did you start the application to get accepted to OTS so you could do that in the summer between like your junior and senior year? Or tell me about what that process was like. Yes. So that process is different for different people. Like you said, depending on where you are at in life. I just happened to be one of the very young individuals that I was 18 in college playing softball, all this stuff. So I knew that I was going to do all four years and I started that process immediately. So they were able to put me in a program of the platoon leaders course PLC that was separated into two six week courses. So generally, as you mentioned, people will after their junior year go and knock it out all at once. It's a 10 week course or after graduating, it's straight into 10 weeks. So for me, it was two six weeks. We do the exact same curriculum as a 10 week. It's just split up a little bit differently. That first six weeks is more fire team, smaller, just getting you involved in what it looks like. And then the second phase is more of your squad mentality and how to go through that. So I, after my freshman year of 
college went, I was one of the youngest ones in my platoon and then had to take the following summer off because I was too young. I begged to go back. They wouldn't let me. Had to wait a year. And then finally, after my junior year, completed that final six week process. And then did you have any responsibilities while you were going to school or was the summer program like your only responsibility? For the most part, the going to the summer trainings was my only responsibility because I was an athlete, a division one softball player at the time. They knew my recruiting office that I wasn't able to attend a lot of events. Um, my recruiting station was in Fairfax, Virginia. So I was in Washington, D.C. as a college student without a car. So they knew me going to the office and back took a very long time, time out of my day. And then, you know, being a division one athlete and a student athlete, I do not have a lot of freedom and time in my schedule. So the responsibilities that I had was one to maintain good grades, to maintain contact with the RS constantly, and then to continue to better myself into being a Marine. So I took full advantage of that in college. I took Russian. I decided to learn a language to try to better myself for the Marine Corps and knowing that that was something that would be desired and um, maintaining high physical level of fitness as a division one athlete. I was already doing that. I wasn't necessarily doing pull-ups and three mile runs just for softball. So I would take that upon myself to incorporate that in. But for the most part, they allowed me to finish out what I needed to in softball, knowing that I would be fully integrated in the Marine Corps as soon as college ended. And it sounds like as a division one athlete, were you on a scholarship or like with softball or did you have one from the military or how did that all work? Yes. So I had a, I had a softball scholarship through George Washington university. And generally when you hear of people through college involved with the Marine Corps or Navy or army or wherever, it's through the ROTC program, which is where they pay for your school. And because I had my softball scholarship, that was not the case. They did not pay for my school. However, how that works, which is really awesome, was that the Marine Corps allowed my pay entry base date to be back in 2016. So I am actually getting a little bit more money compared to my fellow peers who did the ROTC route because the Marine Corps did not pay for my schooling. It's like maybe like $100 extra a month. I'm not complaining. I'll take it. Um, but that was something that they did because I did not accept or I did not even apply for the ROTC scholarship given my situation with college athletics. That's interesting that there's so there's like so many like intricities and like different things that you can do based on like your personal situation. So it's good to always ask questions and see if there's another option. And yeah, so that sounds that sounds great. Yeah. So your pay grade is like you have more years in service than you actually do because it started in 2016 instead of 2019. So it won't really help me in regards to like my end of service contract or anything like that. But for the pay, I'm not complaining and I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> yeah. And as you go up and rank those, it, I think it, I think it makes a big difference. So that's like a that's a really nice advantage to get. So you went through your trainings and then you had your senior year of college and then you graduated and you commissioned. And then what happened? So I commissioned into the Marine Corps. Um I went directly into the basic school, um, which is our, it was roughly seven months for me, given the timeline. I started in September. And then from there, you're given your MOS off based off of how you rank and how you perform at the basic school. So I was given the MOS of logistics and timeline worked out extremely well in my favor within less than a week of graduating. I was already at uh, logistics school. So that was awesome. So I moved from the basic school to North Carolina 
where I went to logistics school for three months. And then from there, I went straight to my first duty station in the fleet, which is where I am now. I'm about to close out three years here at Miles 39 at Camp Pendleton as the S4 officer here. Yeah, that's really good timing just to have to, uh, you know, the week break and then starting it up. And what was that experience like? What was the experience of like going through the training? Did you get the career field that you wanted or did you have to get something that wasn't your number one? Full disclosure, yes, I did not necessarily want this job. Um, I finished um, top 30 at the basic school out of a little over 200 Marine officers. So I was really blessed and fortunate. And I worked very, very hard and was really proud of how I did. I won't lie, I really wanted to do Comstrad and also known as like public affairs. I think controlling the media, the narrative is something I'm extremely passionate about and talking with people and highlighting amazing things Marines do constantly. Unfortunately, that's more of like a niche filled and some of the other things that I wanted were smaller communities and with smaller communities means there's less people. And the way the system works at the basic school is you're divided based off of how you do into three tiers. And for example, if there's easy numbers, there's 300 Marines, the first 100 are in a tier, 200 to whatever in a tier, and then all the way down. So they only give a certain amount of jobs per tier. So just because I finish 30, it's not like, oh, number one gets their choice. Number two, you know, I'm competing against number 101. 101 got their selection over what I did. So unfortunately, I actually got my eighth choice, which was logistics. However, at the time I was extremely, I was extremely upset about it. I actually talked to the captain about it and was just like, sir, I don't, I don't understand. And I am a very strong woman of faith. And I just believe that nothing happens on accident. And because of that job assignment, I was able to come to this unit in Southern California. And because of that, I was actually able to get into bobsledding and bobsledding for Team USA. So looking back on it, I am so blessed and grateful that they gave me the job that I did. At the time, I was not. But regardless of what job, I was just extremely excited to become a Marine officer and get to the fleet and have Marines under my command that I could impact and make a change with. Yeah, that I mean, that's one of the, I think, hard parts about being in the military is sometimes the career field that you end up isn't actually like the one. It's not your number one or number two. And it's interesting how they do the tiered structure because that really, I mean, depending on like where you fall in the tier, like being lower might actually be better. So that's kind of, that's an interesting structure. Yeah. And PA is probably like, I mean, I love PA. I think it's such a cool career field. So I understand. (laughs) But you mentioned bobsledding. So let's talk about that and how that happened. And that just sounds amazing. So let's hear more of that story. Yes. So timeline, as we discussed prior, I was a college softball athlete. I played softball majority of my life in top level athletics. And in 2019, I played my last collegiate softball game. And I just remember that day of being so difficult because I wasn't ready to stop being an athlete. But that was part of why I was so joined and drawn to the Marine Corps is the fact that physical standards are needed to be met. And we PT every day. That's what we say here. We PT every day. We get after it. And especially not only just in the military, but especially in the Marine Corps, we have some of the highest physical standards um, that are required of the service members. And so I loved that. So I was like, perfect. I'll still get that competitive 
competition aspect when I get here. And so I finished all the schooling and I got to my duty station around July of 2020. And if anyone knows that is COVID time and that was extremely difficult. I got to my job. I was the S4 of a squadron of 800 Marines filling a captain's billet as a brand new second lieutenant. So something that was extremely high demand. And I was told by my commanding officer that I was not going to be able to deploy. I was in, I'm was i in a non-deployable squadron. We only send detachments of roughly 50 Marines every so often on the schedule Muse. And because of my billet, I would not be somebody that would deploy. And I remember that was very difficult for me because that's something that every young lieutenant looks forward to doing. And even if you don't deploy to a war zone, even just going on a Muse, feeling like you're doing something is part of the reason why we do this job. And I remember sitting in my office just saying, you know, I need something to work for. I just worked my whole life accomplishing goals, getting a Division I scholarship, being a female Marine officer, working through my MOS, trying to be proficient. And now I was kind of stuck. I'm like, what, what is it that I want to do now? And I realized I wasn't done competing and I wanted a reason to wake up and just get after it and have goals and inspire other people. So I originally looked into joining the Marine Corps softball team and they have an all Marine team and it's slow pitch, but I didn't care. I knew that I would be a standout and a stellar athlete. But again, like I said, it was COVID and they had canceled the season. So I was devastated again and I'm sitting in my office and I see that they're having bobsled tryouts, so to say. So I knew from going to George Washington and playing softball there, there was a woman named Alana Myers-Taylor who also played softball at George Washington, who was one of the most decorated bobsled athletes in the world. And she's a pilot still for Team USA. So I had followed her on social media because obviously I felt like I had a connection and not everyone gets to say they know an Olympian. So I had saw that she had continuously put out information that Bobsled was having a combine and it was online. So generally because of COVID, it would be out in different locations around the United States. And this year was online. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I called the coach. I just introduced myself and I said, hey, I'm going to submit a video. I have no idea if I'm even eligible to do this, if I'm allowed in the military, but I'm going to try. So that's exactly what I did. I trained here for a couple weeks just to try to get bigger and faster and stronger to look presentable. And it's kind of like what people would think of an NFL combine. It's just various different activities and seeing how you would look. So sprinting, jumping, weightlifting, just like that kind of stuff. And then I was invited to participate in bobsled and go to Park City and actually try out the sport as a pilot. And so I did that and I loved it. It was incredible. My command supported me completely, allowed me to work um, in a remote status, which a lot of people were doing because of COVID. And here I find myself, and that was in 2020 and it's 2023. And I just completed my first world championships and world cup season. I made the United States national team as USA three pilot, which was incredible. And just got back from Europe about a week and a half ago. So it's been a blessing and I have so many great things I can say about this. Um, but yeah, it's a very unique story, but man, I am so blessed. And looking back all of those disappointment and hardships and things that I didn't get what I wanted at the time brought me to here now. And I am so thankful and wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. And I loved hearing that you were like, 
mm, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to try and I'm going to see what happens. And then your command supported you and you were able to make it work and still be able to like do your job. And COVID kind of like opened the door because it gave you the opportunity to work remotely, which may or may not have been a thing in the past. And so that's that's really interesting to hear about how like everything aligned and then you were able to do it and you're still doing it. And so that's really cool. So that's that's so exciting. Yes, I I believe that in every circumstance you can go one or two ways with things, right? You can you can dwell on the opportunities that are missed, you can complain about it or you can find some kind of positive light in every circumstance. And I just choose to do the latter. I choose okay, it's COVID. Life stinks. They're restricting all these things, but something's going to good is going to come out of this and I'm going to search and find out what that is. And like you were saying, Amanda, I just think so many people have the capability and the dreams and aspirations to do amazing things. And I believe those things are put on people's hearts for a reason. But too many times people prevent themselves of even trying. And yeah, I had no idea how it would be possible. There was not a path created. No one had done it before through the Marine Corps. And so it was up to me to figure it out. And the support and backing I had from my friends and my family are why I'm here and why I've been able to accomplish this. So I just think of you and your story as well and so many other amazing females and males, military members and all like that have decided, you know, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. And I am so inspired by those people and want to continue to tell people that for those that haven't taken that step yet. Yeah, I was thinking of, I saw a thing where Jim Carrey talked about how his dad wanted to be a comedian, but he felt it was like too risky. So he went into sales and then he lost his job and they were like, you know, poor and they couldn't survive. And he was like, you can fail at what you love or you can fail at something safe. And it's like, you can just, go for it and see what happens and like there's no safe job where you think oh this is a safe career I'm gonna be able to provide for my family but I hate it or you could do something that you love and like you might fail but at least you'll be enjoying it and and putting all that passion and energy into it and so I thought that was an interesting quote I just saw that this week and I was thinking man like you could just be like oh I'm stuck here this is like the worst or you could go out and like make a goal for yourself and then shoot for, you know, shoot for something like crazy. Like I'm going to join the American bobsled team. It's like, what? That's crazy. But there you are there. You're doing it. So that's really exciting. You mentioned that you've been at your assignment for three years and you're, is it, are you going to move again pretty soon? Yes. So I've been here almost three years and I am up for orders. I just accepted career designation a couple of days ago, which was really exciting. And I am getting orders to Quantico in Virginia. So I'm excited to go to my second duty station um, because of career designation. My initial four-year contract that I had signed in college is now indefinite. And I get to, my EAS is on unexistent. So I get a pick and choose kind of per which duty station I go to and just continue on. So I'm really excited for this move to Quantico and see um, all the new opportunities that it has. And being on the East Coast brings me a little bit closer to our headquarters for bobsled in New York and just new opportunities to engage with different Marines. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's really exciting. And are you from like the East Coast area? Because you said you went to school in D.C. So I'm I'm from Indiana. Um, which is Midwest, 
but it's close. It's close enough. So I wanted to go to school a little bit further away to like experience new things. But DC, I could drive home and from Quantico in like nine to 10 hours. So it's not extremely far, but it's close enough compared to California uh, to family. And it's more of a one flight away or a drive. So I'm excited to get back there and I'm going to miss the warm beaches and the California Christmas where it's palm trees and it's 70 degrees with Christmas lights. But it'll be it'll be good to have a little bit of a change up yeah but this week the weather was crazy i'm in la so i think i'm a little bit farther north than you but like we got it wasn't like real snow but it like snowed for like a second or two and then it was hailing and i was like where am i (laughs) this is not what i signed up for oh yeah and i just finished bobsled praying to come back to the warm weather and to get some sun on my face and I come back to this and I was trying to brag to all my teammates like I can't wait to go back to California I'm gonna go to the beach I need to get this like paleness off of me from eight weeks of snow and blizzards and all this stuff and it was raining and just everything that you said and I was just not that happy with it and not rubbing into the face of my teammates because they had better weather than I did in most places so yeah Yeah, and we were in Virginia, and I'm from California, and so we were in Virginia during COVID, and it was really hard to be, like, that far away from family and, like, not really have the opportunity to travel. I mean, we used FaceTime a lot, and that was, like, the main way we we stayed connected, but we didn't go home at all in 2020, and we only had went home in the summer of 2019, so we didn't go home for two whole years, which was, like, crazy and nobody came to visit because it was COVID so it was really crazy and hard to be away so I totally understand like being able to drive or you know a shorter flight it it makes a big difference is there anything else from your career that you want to talk about that we didn't get a chance to touch on yes so I I can talk about a little bit in my career something that a lot of people do ask and I think is so important for listeners or people that are thinking about joining the military I explain that I'm in a non-deployable status. So I have not deployed yet. Um, I've been active duty for four years and have not gone to deployment. And I just want to let anyone who's listening or anything like that know that we as a military in general are not actively fighting and deploying in, in war. And that is something that has been very difficult, you know, growing up, living through 9-11, all this kind of things you hear about the stories of Afghanistan, Iraq, Ramadi, Fallujah, all of these places that you're so excited is an interesting word I want to say, right? You're so excited to get your part. You're excited to serve. You're not excited for the repercussions of what going to war means. But I have been in a non-deployable status, which is not necessarily normal for majority of people. There are deployment and opportunities like that. I just always like to people know that the Marine Corps, as well as all services are ever changing. And just because there's individuals or veterans out there, people now that haven't deployed that, I just want them to hear from me. It does not mean that your worth is not valid. It does not mean that your service is not seen as important. I think this new generation that is coming through is experiencing different lessons and different experiences and the people that have deployed like continue to share your stories with people that haven't like myself or other individuals that you meet because that is something that 
people do desire and want to be a part of and want to be prepared for when that day does come. So I do not think of myself as a less of a Marine because I haven't deployed. I do desire that someday and I hope that that's the case. But at the same time, I know with deployment can mean things happening. So just anyone who's listening or anyone on here I know is a massive military community. I just want people to know if you haven't deployed or haven't deployed yet, you still matter and you are still valued and you are still appreciated for everything that you have done serving. Yeah. And I mean, there's people who serve during like the high ops tempo of being in like right after 9-11 and 9-11 and depending on like what their career field, what their situation was, it's not people dodging deployments. It's just that sometimes based on where you're at and what your situation is, you might not deploy. And like, that doesn't mean that your mission and your focus didn't help all the people who were deployed and kept the United States safe. The military has to operate and there's so much stuff that has to be done in the United States. And there's so many people that are required. I mean, that's why we still have a military, even though we're not at war right now. I mean, it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. And so I think that's really true to talk about, because I know, especially for women veterans, sometimes they either get questioned about their service or they don't feel like they did enough. I think that's like a theme of like, I didn't do enough, even though you served in the military and that's really what's important. So that that's a great thing to reiterate and to talk about. And so I always like to end the podcast thinking about the next generation of women who are considering military service. So what advice would you give to a young woman who's considering joining the military? And you can have it be Marine Corps, because I don't have a lot of Marine Corps guests, or it could just be military general. I am slightly biased, so I will address my future potential Marines out, female lady Marines out there. But um, I think this applies to everybody, all women that are wanting to go into the service. I will say I, from personal experience, when I was coming in, especially into the Marine Corps, because there's so few women and roughly about six to 8% of officers are female. That is a very, very small portion. There was a lot of pushback that I received from people in regards of, you know, The Marine Corps is a male-dominated community. You don't really belong. How are you supposed to lead? All men as a woman, are you going to be taken seriously? You know, well, you're an attractive female. So, you know, that's going to cause issues, sexual assault, sexual harassment, that kind of stuff. Are you worried about that? All this kind of stuff. And I just want to reiterate to anyone out there that you do not have to conform to this image that people think that you have to be as an officer, as a Marine, as an airman, or fill in the blank. You are able to be unapologetically you, and you have a place here in the military. And you do not have to change based off of who you are for what you think people need. And having the characteristics of a woman and as a female is what makes us unique and what makes us needed in this role. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with Marines that felt comfortable to tell me things because of my leadership style or didn't have a mom growing up or a woman figure and actually benefited off of having me as a leader because of that and just seeing what that looks like or showing my Marines, you know, hey, you guys have little little girls. You have young children that are females. Like this is what you can do and there is a spot for them. So my main message is number one, Don't feel like you have to change who you are and what makes you unique and special as a woman to enter the military. And number two, do not let anyone tell you that you do not have 
a space here. Do not let anyone tell you because you are a woman that you aren't going to be worthy or you're not good enough. And thirdly, don't feel like because you're a woman, you have to live your life proving yourself that you deserve to be here. There's too many people that I know that want to prove people wrong because people say that they couldn't be here. And so they live their lives constantly trying to get people's approval and prove to others that they deserve to be here. And I just want to tell you that that is not the case. You already have been here. You deserve a seat at the table. There was amazing females that have paved the way before us, that there is a place for you. And you now have entered an amazing community of females that want to support you. So on this, Amanda, I know I can't speak for you, but I know you will. And me as well are an active resource to anyone out there, especially a woman or that just needs support, uh, might be going through a tough job circumstance in the military, that we are here for you and we love you and we want to support you and we're excited that you have or are deciding to join this awesome community of women. Yeah, the women veteran community is amazing. And I do have a mentorship group and my like target focus right now is the young women who are joining so that they can get advice. But it's true, like if you're listening and you're in the service and you're in a situation, maybe you're trying to decide if you should stay in or if you should get out or if you're facing something and you don't want to talk to your boss, but you want someone who's been in the military that can understand and be like a safe space. The mentorship program is there for that too, because it's women veterans who've served in the military and they can help answer your questions and just be a place that you can talk about your life and your situation because I mean sometimes you're the only one you're the only woman in your unit and you don't have anyone to talk to and even if you do have another woman in your unit you might not feel comfortable talking about different situations so I think it's important to have that community and there are so many great women veteran organizations and they're I know that like Women Veteran Alliance is trying to reach like your generation that are still in so that you have the resources and you know about the support that is available to you. So you don't have to wait until, you know, after you get out, because the more that we can like connect with you guys while you're still in the service, the easier it'll make the transition out of the service. So that's why I'm really excited to have you as a guest. People have been asking for stories from this generation. And I'm like, okay, I'll go find them. They're hiding under rocks, but I'll go find them. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm super excited because my story is very different than a bunch of other women in this generation, but it is, it is a unique time to serve. Um, and it, and things are a little bit different and different insecurities, different, different kind of traumas and stressors being in without seeing war necessarily and stuff like that. But we are all the same. We all decided to swear the same oath and wear the same cloth and i think that is what will make us bonded for the rest of our lives for sure it's a great community to be a part of thank you so much for your time for being on the show and for sharing your experience and i'm glad that we connected and that i get to watch your career it's just going to be so exciting to be connected and thank you so much thanks amanda thanks so much for listening to this week's interview i'm really thankful that you took the time to listen to this episode and I wanted to tell you about two resources that may help you in your journey of military service and so the first is my 
new book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service, which is available at the link in the show notes on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. You can go check it out. It's A Girl's Guide to Military Service. It's meant to help you answer all your questions about military life and give you a firm foundation for the start of your career. And if you're looking for mentorship or want to be a mentor, please check out the Women of the Military Mentorship Program, which is also linked to in the show notes. You can sign up to be a mentee or a mentor. Thanks so much for listening and